What's up? And welcome to another episode of Black in the Maritimes. I'm Fidel. I'm Hillary. Hey, I'm Clinton. And Happy New Year, guys. This is the first episode Yay. of the year. Happy New Year. Yes. <laughs> we have a special guest with us. Uh, we have Alfred Basawa Ebolo. He is a certified financial advisor. He's also an entrepreneur. He's a co-founder of Designs from Africa. And he's also part of a charity, which a nonprofit, which we'll talk about that. Uh, glad to have you here, Alfred. No, thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, honestly, I think we talked about it. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a fan of what you guys were doing in the Science from Africa a few years ago. And I know thank uh, you. I, I tried to get you and your co-founder. And, and I'll tell the story about that. And I'll tell you why eventually. But uh, before we go there, uh, let's introduce yourself. Uh, like, where did you grow up? And how was your childhood, man? Wow. Woo, we're going to spend at least a month here. Hey, <laughs> it's what it is. We got time. No, really quick. Uh, I'm from Cameroon, I would say, and more and more, I'm trying not to really identify as a spot in, you know, in Africa because we all the same family and all that. So yeah, I grew up in Cameroon. Uh, you know, went to university there, had my bachelor degree in economics. So, and then in 2013, you know. I had a chance to to come and you know continue something here, not really what I was doing back home because growing up we are I have six brothers, <laughs> so it's a pretty pretty extensive family with cousins and all that. So we 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 used to play soccer or football. I would say we used to play uh, football together and all that. So it was pretty uh, pretty nice growing up. Uh, it wasn't you know. Sometimes we don't have that image of what Africa is because we, you know, coming here, I saw things on TV and all that. I'm just like, well, that's not, that's not it. You know, we have beautiful people, beautiful places, and it's not just about, you know, uh, United Nations programs showing kids suffering and things like that. So I was kind of shocked because there's suffering everywhere, right? So I grew up in Cameroon, nice. I never missed any food or meals. You know, it's uh, it was really nice, you know, growing up there. Then it was not, for me, it was that I wanted something new. And I had a chance to have parents that have, uh, you know, some financials uh, opportunities, I would say that that way, to, to pay for my tuition here. And I had a friend of mine here, Orlando, uh, we went to school back home together. He was already here in Moncton at the university. So I was talking to him and I'm just like, man, I need something. I don't want to stay here anymore. I tried in Europe and all that. Nobody's, you know, no, I mean, there's no schools there who, I mean, that want to accept me and all that. So how is it in Canada? He's like, well, I'm moving to the college. I'm going to a two-year program now and all that. I said, wow, okay. That's even what I'm looking for. So I sent him all my paperwork. He went to the college, did everything for me. I got accepted. And yeah, a few months later, I was landing here. What year was this? 2013. 2013. Now, for those of you that don't know, Cameroon is a Francophone country. Bilingual. Uh, it's bilingual. French and English. Oh, okay. So there it is. I thought it was more Francophone. but uh, yeah, It's more Francophone, but officially we have both languages. Uh, there's a famous footballer called Samuel Echo. He's pretty famous in Europe, and he's that's right. 
It was a capital <laughs> of the Cameroon team. He's a very famous guy in Europe. Uh, and it's a very big place. It is, uh, And it's a very, uh, I think it's one of the most developed economies in Africa as well. Um, so that's definitely, it's what you said, that people have a different mentality when it comes to Africa. Yes, there's poverty. Yeah, we, we're definitely going to say that there is poverty. Uh, there's poverty here, there's poverty everywhere. And because uh, there are certain places that are still under civil war, uh, some places more than other because everything is all together. But it's, I, I do agree what you say that uh, some people uh, do think about Africa as a different type of place, like underdeveloped, which again, t- to some extent, some parts are, uh, mm-hmm. but some parts are nice and, you know, and like I said, you come from a background, you went educated, you went to school, you went to university there, you study economics, you know, you never had any issues and you decided to get something new. You also went to Europe as well. So uh, no, no, I wanted to, to go to Europe, but I didn't get a chance to to get accepted to any schools there. What country did you did you apply first? Uh, obviously France and Belgium, Switzerland. Yeah. Oh, so that was a lot of school. Oh yeah. Well, uh, and then maybe it wasn't my my spot to be, right? I mean, I know I know guys that study in Switzerland, and it's super expensive there. So probably that was the best the best bet was to here. So. <laughs> You come here, uh, and again, what city in Cameroon were you originally from? I'm from Douala. Douala, okay. So the population yeah. is there like around how many people you think it is? Uh, I don't know, maybe some millions, two, three, five. Okay, so you come, okay, so you come I'm not from quite a- sure. Things goes, things change really quick, and it's the main city in Cameroon, right? Okay. Reports. You know, everything that comes into Cameroon, even going to uh, other countries like Chad and Cent- Central African uh, Republic. So it goes through Cameroon, right? Okay, so you're in this big city. Mm-hmm. And then you come to Moncton where you see the airport and you see all the trees and you don't see a building anywhere. So what was your first thought when you got here? <laughs> well, it was like a small village, kind of small town, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'll say it that way. I mean, it's a reality. If you come to Douala, you will see whatever is there, and it's huge, right? It's like people going to Lagos. It's huge. It's just a massive city. People are always moving. So coming here, I didn't even know where I was landing, where I was going, because I just know my body was here. Let's go. I'm just going to meet you wherever you at, right? And I arrived in Montreal, and then from Montreal, he was there waiting for me at his brother's place. And then we took the bus to come down. Oh, so you took the bus. You didn't even take the plane. No, from Montreal, we took the bus to come down because he was waiting for me there. So I said, okay, I'm just going to land in Montreal. And he picked me up. We spent two, three days there. I had my cousin there. And then he said, well, let's take the bus to drive down, to, to go down to New Brunswick. I was like, yay. Let's go. Oh, my God. It's like, what, 15, 17 hours? Oh, 17, about, yeah. Yeah, 17. That's a 17-hour drive. Go ahead, Hillary. I just want to know, did your friend, like, because I would assume arriving in Montreal, maybe you thought that that's what Moncton would be like, because you're just saying you said, like, Canada and the climate and the difference and, like, that culture. And I'm just wondering if your friend was like, oh, no, 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 no. It's not going to be anything like this at no. all. It was different. I knew I was going to Montreal, and then from Montreal, we're continuing down to to Moncton or Dieppe, right? So for me, it was like, yeah, it's fun. But again, 
living in Douala, you don't want to stay in big cities. I don't miss it, really. Well, uh, you know what? Kind of saying that I, I, I come from a big city too. Clinton does as well. Clinton comes from Toronto. And uh, at first, it's kind of difficult. You're like, what the hell is this? What the fuck is going on here? <laughs> but once you get eased into it and you make kind of like a living, then it becomes like more of a, of a home feeling. And then you go back to the big city and you're like, holy shit, this shit is so big <laughs> right now. What, what is going on here? Like, this is too busy for me. I'm like, that's, I want to... That's exactly what happened to me as well. Like, uh, like Tribe said to me, Toronto is one of the best cities in the world. There's so much happening. There's so much opportunity. And I came out here for a couple of years and everything was different. Um, but then when I went back two years later, like <laughs> I got I got like culture shock from being in the city I'd spent my whole life in. I was, I was on the highway. I was like, what is going on? Uh, <laughs> same thing. But yeah, but I, I think both of us feel what you're saying too. Like, I, I don't really miss Toronto, Fidel. I know you love where you're from, but are you start, are you sort of settling in Moncton a bit? Or I won't. I mean, I'm in Moncton. I'm. I don't have any plan going nowhere. Like, I can go visit somewhere else, but I'll come back here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think. I think the problem is is that it's uh, you know uh, it, they say home is where the heart is. I guess that's and I guess there's some truth into that. Uh, so again. As as a somebody that yeah I kind of I love where I'm from, uh, and I you know I I love the culture and the food and the beach and the climate. But would I go back there? Probably not, right? So would I go? Would I move uh, to another city? Probably not. Basically because one I have children now. Yep. I'm grown up. I, I mean I I I'm evolving as a human. So whatever I wanted ten years ago is not what I want now, right? And probably was oh. not. All three of you message me when you've had 23 years straight in Moncton and then see how you feel. Because I, it would well, take a whole lot for me to move back. I don't, um, don't agree with that. The thing is, I, I also think like a huge active city bustling with opportunity is an amazing place for someone younger who is not like married with kids uh, yet or if they ever will be. You know, they're, like a, there's so much opportunity in these bigger cities to like do something amazing. So yeah, I th my daughter is in Toronto. I think it's great for her there, Hillary. I think I think you're great where you're at. I think you're in the perfect place. Yeah, but I I'm just I feel what you're saying, Alfred. Yeah, and again, I think I think people evolve. While you feel now, maybe you will. A lot. I know a lot of people that are Canadian that don't live in Canada. They live, they feel at home someplace else, right? Uh, but again, that's that's those people twenty, thirty years later, right? So it, it all mm -hmm. depends on which one. So. Going back to that, you you get here. I I really, I mean, he's your friend and everything, but I mean, come on, man. He should have said, "Let's get a plane. Let's not fucking go on a bus," because that that is too much time. I would have been like, "Dude, no." Oh, the trip! I thought you were gonna say, "Dude, how how did you bring me to Dieppe? How did you bring no, me?" No, to no, 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 no. Not that. Not the, Not that part. The bus part, because oh, the bus is it's like a seventeen-hour drive. Man, I mean, Sometimes you gotta take the bus. I you, I've taken the train. So for me, you know, after, you know, traveling from Cameroon to, to Belgium is about seven hours. And then from Belgium, or five, six hours, I would say, and then you have to wait for a hard waiting time there for what? Maybe three, four hours waiting. So, and then you have to travel again from there to Montreal, it's about 10 hours. Wow. So it becomes really, really long. You spend a lot of time in the air, right? Uh I mean, yes, and I could tell you, yes, getting into the air, but there's like food, there's like movies, and the bus is 
the, the, the funny thing is that I've been in a lot of buses and the type of people that you see on buses is like crazy. It's like, it's crazy. <laughs> don't, you feel like you, don't you feel like you've missed out on something on life if you've never been on a long bus trip where you <laughs> saw no. those kinds of people? It's, and... it's fun though. It was good. It was good. Also, oh, you add up all of that time in the sky was the same amount of time as your bus ride on the ground. Like you went through three different countries amounted to Montreal to Moncton. <laughs> nah, and the, and the, train, about... the train is the same length of time. I've made that mistake before for a concert, 17 hours on the train. No. I bet it was an adventure for you in a new country, on a bus to your new destination, hanging out with your friend. Exactly. You enjoyed that. Taking your stuff. Relax and all that. And we brought food with us, right? Because I was at my cousin, I had good food. (laughs) Okay. At least you had the good food. So, speaking about food, which is thing, for me, that was one of my first culture shock. The seasoning here was like, what is this? Like, what was your first cultural shock that you had here? I mean, if there's any seasoning, well, <laughs> <laughs> not to say something wrong about it, but for me, you know, the way you used to eat or whatever, when you taste something that has, you know, less spices and things like that, you don't feel anything because your mouth and palate and all that is different, right? And sometimes it's just like, oh, we're missing something here. You know, you try to put something else just to give it some taste. So the shock here for me, yeah, the food, but you know, back home and with everything that came after with all the colonizations and all that, uh, we kind of grew up into the thinking that, you know, seeing those advertising on TV, showing you McDonald's, showing you uh, all those big brands, and for us, it was like, yeah, I'm finally going to get that. I'm finally going to eat those kind of things. And when you arrived, you're just like, okay, so you try first, you know, twice, and then just like, oh, it's not that, <laughs> you know, I better cook my own food, right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, definitely the food is one. And it, for a lot of people, it's the food. And definitely for me, it was the food. Mm-hmm. And the other thing was, of course, the weather. I mean, when you when you get to the like, I I've been into places that are cold and have snow, but when you see like a mountain of snow, and then you have to shovel it every day. For me, that was like, whoa! Like, wait a minute, this is this this definitely no. But also, I I do see like I do think that in my experience, like for example, when I got here, there was seven people from my country, from the Dominican Republic. There was seven of us. At one point, uh, here there is a there's a huge francophone community. I mean, not huge, but there's enough people. So definitely, uh-huh. there's people to guide you, which I which I think that's you said you came with your friend and your cousin and things like that. And especially and let let's go back to that university part. When you get to university, there's people from your country as well, and there's like a community that you you can fit into. Or was that the case for you? Yes, and. I didn't, went, I didn't go to university. I went to the college, the community college, the French community college. Oh, okay. Yes. So, yeah, for me, the first person, as I say, like, was my buddy there. We were hanging out together, and we're still hanging out until today together. And the idea to me was not to go back and hang out with the people I'm, you know, we're from the same country. For me, the goal was to, to know, to go to discover, right? Okay. Other people and meet other people. That's the way um, 
I see it because there's a, there's an African proverb that says, when you go to the bush and then you got your, I don't know, your meat and all that, you bring it home, right? But if you go to the bush and you're still chatting with your buddy, you don't bring anything home. So you have to go to discover and make sure you learn something and you bring that back home. That's the way I, uh, I, I you know, I approach everything because... Okay. For me, it was fun to have other friends from Cameroon, from Mali, from other places in Africa and Europe. Uh, but I was more, mostly interested in learning about, you know, the Canadian culture. What is it? What's the history behind it? And at some point, I was, um, I was the, what do you call that, student representative for international students mm-hmm. in my second year. Right, because I didn't believe in that, but I had a teacher, Ken Beddington. He said, Well, you know, you should try this, you should try that. I can see you doing this and doing I'm just like, nah, forget it. And then I, I went, I went for it, and that's where I think uh things changed. That was a shift. Because then I was in a meeting with people from the city, uh, meeting with the mayors, meeting with many people there and deputies and things like that because you represent international international students and they can contact you to say, okay, we need you to come on board and, you know, be part of this meeting and then you can go back and and pass the message, right? So that's where I started to get, you know, more confidence about myself. And I was an MC for the multicultural events happening there. And that's why I started to have fun going on stage, you know, making people laugh and dancing and things like that. So it was a, it was a good experience. Nice. Clinton, you wanted to say something? No, no. Um, I just wanted to start talking about, like, I wanted, I was curious about, so after you got here, like, yeah, what did you do? And you've already started telling that story. So Yeah. So, yeah, I went to the college. I took transportation and logistics then. Since Cameroon, uh, I went and did my research and I found out, uh, transportation and logistics was booming, right? Instead of going and doing accounting or administration, whatever, I said, no, I'll go and do uh, transportation and logistics because for me it was the opportunity. Because my dad was like, no, go do finances and things like that. I'm just like, no, 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 no. I'm going to do whatever I choose to do. <laughs> oh wow so you're like i like your because you're like an explorer you can't you, you you came with the explorer mentality you're like okay let me explore this new thing uh your teacher tells you to explore this and you 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 came with a with a really open mind which is amazing uh a lot of people don't come with an open mind and and you you know some people are like deadlocking how they used to be before but you came pretty openly and said okay let me try these new things. And, and that's that's pretty amazing that it went to. You think that, that that's kind of what eased you into staying in Moncton, that you were open to any other type of opportunities or things that came into your life? Yes. And even since back home, again, I started to do a few things just to get myself uh, uncomfortable, right? Because to me, you have to, and I heard that expression later on, where they said, you have to learn to be uncomfortable in order to be comfortable. So I started to do like door and door, door-to-door sales since from Cameroon, right? So I have to go and meet people in the houses and tuck, 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 I'm selling this and that, you know, and I started to chat. Some people would just bang, no, go away or whatever. 
then in the beginning you take it personal, but after a while you say, no, it's not personal at all. And you just keep doing it. So it opens my mind to something else that many people don't want to try. That's kind of cool that you say that, because I remember uh, somebody told me, like, if you ever want to get ahead in life and if you ever want to, you know, want to do things outside of your phone, they tell me, take a sales course and start selling because mm -hmm. that, that gets you out to talking to people at, of something like you have to talk to these people that don't know you and you mm -hmm. have to sell them stuff. So that definitely gets you. I, somebody told me that and I did take a sales course and I did like it but i kind of like it wasn't for me just because i'm i i i can do, i know i could do it but it wasn't just the it was just an, i i like to be creative so i think that's one of the things that i kind of like kind of put but yeah i definitely think that will get you out of your comfort zone and if you can do that then it gets you ready for for everything so once you get like let's let's get there once you get into universities you start emceeing you start doing all of these things you start meeting all these people uh Like, what's your uh, objective from that from that point on? Now that you start doing all of this stuff, uh, the objective was really just to to finish and start working because that's what I had in mind, and that's why you know you speak with your parents and all that. They will say, "Oh yeah, now you need to start looking for a job." And again, the other thing is the networking. I started to get a lot of connections. And we had this activity with our, one of our teachers, transportation teachers, where we have to go to uh, the transportation club every month, once a month. So I was just sitting there. My English was not that good or that better yet because I was just speaking French. I grew up and went to school just, you know, doing everything in French. So when I first came, that was one of my challenges, the biggest one, because I wanted to, to learn really quick in order for me to have more opportunities than others that can just speak French or that can just speak English because now I can speak both. So it was, uh, it was to find a job, I would say, because, you know, you have your parents there. Yeah, now you have to find a job and, you know, help for this, help for that. I'm just like, okay. And I started working for Celtic Transportation. But the way I met those people, it was at that transportation club that we were going to every every month and I was sitting with them on you know on the same table we were eating and just chatting and laughing and things like that so a few weeks a few months later they sent a note into our class to say yeah we're looking for an intern or we're looking for whatever and I'm just like well yeah I can I can apply I can you know you never know And I went there, I gave my resume, and then I got, you know, the first time, you, you know, you, you go through the interview, and they would say, yeah, we'll, we'll email you back and all that, you know, just wait for it. And then I got emailed and said, yeah, we want to meet you again for second round of the, of the interview process. I said, okay. And we were probably five people applying for the same spot in the same, in our classroom. So after that, we were like two people left. And then at the end, they picked me, right? And when I was talking to the guy who, who I did the interview with after that, Chris, he said, well, when I saw your resume, I knew I know this person. You know, that's what he told me. He said, yeah, I knew I know this person. I don't remember where, but I know this person because, and then where we've met, it was just, We didn't even do anything like going through whatever process. We started just to laugh and talk and things like that. 
<laughs> nice. It's all about who you know. You, you definitely, I, I, I think, and I, I say this as a personal story. I was a, I was a general manager at a call center at one point. I was in charge of, you know, hundreds of people at one point. And uh, I was a supervisor at one, and then I was a manager at one. And then one day I, I got all stressed out and burned out. So I just had to leave. So I left the whole thing. And I lasted like four months or three months without having a job. I started partying, just getting people. Just, and I didn't do anything. I was like, whatever. I'm like, and then I, I was broke. And I was like, okay, I need to get a job. <laughs> I need to get a job. <laughs> so I went there and I go to this job. I'm like, all right, let me get this first job, see what's going on. And the human resources manager says like, oh, you don't remember me? I'm like, uh no oh yeah i was uh i was working at the center you were my boss and i needed a day off because i had something to do and you let me go and she's like oh you're such a good guy okay you don't need to do the interview you're hired i'm like whoa it's cool. <laughs> i'm like i didn't know this this woman was like the the head of the boss so it's, it's really all about who you know and that's what you gotta know. yeah and it's also about who you are and your attitude you know uh your attitude um you know against other people because the way you present yourself, the way you treat other people is going to come back at some point. Yeah, that is true. Hillary, you wanted to say something? No. Clinton. No, I, Clinton oh, does. Clinton. <laughs> yeah. I so name. you were the, uh, so were you saying you were the representative for the international students at U2M? And in that no, position, no, at the CCNB, the French Community CCNB. And yeah. so you, that you, so that gave you an opportunity to meet with uh, city officials other organizations, groups like that. Um, mm -hmm. What was that like for you? Uh, tell us about that. Like that. Like, what were some of the meetings like? What did you experience? Um, were there good, like, any highs, any lows, any stressful things? That's really interesting that you had that inside kind of link to mm -hmm. those channels to represent students. Uh, for me, it was all new. It was uh, it was fun for me. It was just going out there and you know put my smile on. That's it. Uh, whatever was going on into there, I was just there to listen and give my point of view whenever I needed. But the whole thing was to make sure that, for me, that's, and again, wherever I go for networking or a meeting or whatever event, I, I want to make sure that people will remember my face or remember my smile. They don't need to remember my name or something like that, right? But I need to have that impact into people where when you're going to see me again, say, oh, yeah, I remember you somewhere. You were, I had a lady like that saying, oh, I remember you were wearing this shirt and things like that, but she didn't know my name, right? But she remembered <laughs> the shirt I was wearing and all that. She's like, wow, I'm just like, oh, okay. So those meetings was something else because we don't have opportunities to sit around, you know, around the table with these kind of people having programs you know saying okay we need to do this we need to do that it's fun in the beginning but at some point it's just that things don't move as quick as they speak yeah right so at some point for me it was like i wanted to move uh things where i said well and that's one of the things it might be good or bad but i didn't want us all africans staying at the same spot because at some point they were saying, oh, this is black people's spot because all the Africans or black people were just hanging out at that same spot every at every break. So for me, it was like, man, you didn't 
fly all the way here to come and sit again with that same person you flew with. Go and, you know, say hi to somebody else. Go meet somebody else. You know, just go say hi, say your name and smile and do something. You know, go to, you know, discover something else and try something else and put yourself out there. That's really interesting that you're saying that. Do, do you kind of take credit for pushing sort of more of the African community to integrate with Moncton more? Because I will say, my parents moved here in 99. Uh, and I didn't want anything to do with it. I eventually came here in 2009, didn't intend to stay, but I did. Um, and during all those 10 years, I got to say, other than a couple spots in Moncton, uh, I knew there were a lot of African students at the schools, but I didn't see them anywhere. Uh, I didn't go on the campuses, so maybe I saw them at one club. But um, I didn't see them in like malls or shopping centers or walking through parks or in outdoors events. Yeah. Uh, and I moved here in 2009. And I got to say, in the past five or six years, I am now seeing um, African students and African people integrated into the city. And I see many cultures, including African students, every single place I go. Mm-hmm. So would you say, I, I, can you take a little bit of credit for that? Are you saying that you really helped back in, the, what year was this, 2013, 2014? I mean, a few, little bit, right? To help yeah, the few, push everyone out there? Yeah, just push them. And at some point you have to, because you, 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 don't, you can't tell me you came somewhere and you don't want to talk to anybody else. And after you've done with school, you want, you're looking for a job. And then what? You don't know anybody. Because, and I found out here, it's about networking. It's about who you know. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It's about who you know to, you know, to, to give you a little push, right? You know what? I'm going to interrupt you before you finish. Because okay. everything you're saying is actually, the, it's the exact quote my daughter has on her Instagram. So it's oh. not about who you know, it's who knows you. And what yeah. you said a few minutes ago is that it's very important to you to have people remember who you are when you go somewhere. You have so, to. Yeah. yeah. And uh, to me, that was the thing. And I always say that to everybody. Say, you know what? From August to when I arrived to July, I started to work for Maritime Bus in June. You, you love know? the bus. I know, man. See for that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I started in transportation. The, he loved being on the bus. You know, I started into that transportation. They were looking for summer, summer, they posted, you know, yeah. summer job and all that. Plus and you were at the school for transportation. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I was there like, wow, my English is not that good. And the interview was in two weeks. So I went home. I started to check into YouTube how to do an interview or to pass an interview in English, how to prepare and what to know, what not to know, what to avoid and things like that. So I took that time to, you know, repeat things, you know, learn things about myself, what to present and how to present it to to the person in front of you. And after a month or maybe after what, a month and a half, I was able to work there by myself without no assistance with no assistance, right? Nobody there to check on me if I'm doing things right or wrong or if I'm answering things right and all that. But in the beginning, I had a big support. And those ladies, uh, they're just amazing because they are the one who pushed me to learn more and quicker. 
that that is pretty dope uh, like, i mean i mean you're definitely you're definitely showing yourself and, and that's that's pretty important to get that and the, the funny thing you said is that like people look at your shirt which we're gonna get about that uh, uh <laughs> you you actually with another project built a, a clothing brand called designs from africa how, how did that came about Ooh. <laughs> that's another story there wow Okay, well, again, with my buddy Jabbar, because we're doing this together, we've been doing this together, and it's been really fun. Uh, how did it start? We went to school, I mean, we were in the same classroom from the college. We went to school together here. Uh, he was at the university, you know, he couldn't finish his uh, engineering um, degree and all that, so he came to the college to say, well, F that, I'll just go to the college and do whatever. We finished school, but we all we always had in mind, have in mind, we have to create our own business. That's what we had in mind, finishing school. And we were, we were thinking about opening like a kind of transit, whatever in transportation, import, export kind of thing. And we're just thinking about it. And back home, my mom, she's still alive and she sews. And my grandmom used to. So I was born into all that, you know, helping my grandma, having things like that and da-da-da. And we were working on our own. We were slimming our own pants when we were in high school. <laughs> that, that is. So we were doing things like that with my brothers. And then here, my mom was one day, she's like, well, what do you think? Like, you know, I can ship you a few things that you can sell there. I'm just like, no, 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 no. Mm-mm, mm-mm. She's like, well, just try and all that. I say, yes, okay, I'll try. I'll give it a try, you know, but don't push me or whatever. No, okay. I will try. I will do my best. Then, you know, things arrived and I started to contact my, you know, my close friends. Uh, they say, like, I have necklaces. I have this. I have that. I have T-shirts. I have pants. I started to take pictures and send it to everybody. And I went to, I was working at Celtic then. Uh, I went to see my colleagues. I said, hey, this is what my mom does. And da, da, da. would you like to buy some? This is, you know, bracelets and bracelets and things like that. They were just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We want to buy some. And that's how everybody started to buy. So a week later, everything was gone. I remember a colleague of mine, she bought for probably $450 straight. Wow, that's, that's, a, that's a big buy so it's $450 and that's how things clicked I'm just like damn these things work I called my mom again you know what I'm gonna send you some money ship more and that's how we start I started to do it on my own first right and Jabba on his end he had a friend of his back in Benin he's from Benin and his body was making like really sexy dresses like for ladies with the African pattern on the chest I saw that. I'm just like, man, when do you take all those things? He's like, well, I have my guy there. We're doing this and that. And he started to sell them too. And we were at my spot here I'm at my place. And I was probably frying something. We were trying to eat something. And he's just like, well, what do you think if we can just put you know, everything together into one thing and do it? I'm just like, well, sounds like a great idea, man. Just, okay. Let's do it. Let's do it. And we started to put things together. And at some point, I just told my mom, you know what? 
I will pay you whatever I owe you, and then we're going to start business from fresh. So I'm going to be the one sending you my money instead of you sending me things to sell for you. I'm going to send you my money. So you cut your mother off of the business? It's business, man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, she wasn't off. She was still buying things for me there. But the thing is, at some point for me, it was just difficult every time to deal with that. Okay, I have to sell and give her the money back. Because sometimes it might take longer to sell some stuff, right? And I'm just like, yeah, it's better for us to deal that way. So she was fine. I mean... Yeah, she's your mom. I mean, I'm just saying, like, of course she's going to be fine. I mean, yeah, she's, she's the one who started that anyway. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> Shout out to your mom to give you that idea, though. <laughs> yeah, 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 always, always, always. So what now, what, what year was this? Uh, we were in 20... Uh, we were finishing 2015, and then we're getting into 2016. Okay, okay. So so the brand is going super well, like, from started, and you, you guys start doing the... Yes. You, you built the brand and you call it Designs from Africa. And I'm not yet. It not was yet. not at the beginning. In the beginning, it was just from Africa. Okay. Right? In the beginning, it was just simple from Africa. And we had the international night at the university, at the UDM. And I had a buddy of mine there. He was like, well, I went to see him, say, man, we need to have a booth. We need to sell these things. That, that, that he's like, man, you guys are late. We know everything is fast. We don't do this anymore. Or even though you want something, you have to pay for it. We just like, man, we don't have money. You know what? We're going to pay you afterwards. So after the event, we sell and then we pay you your money. He's like, no, I don't want it. And we prepared everything. You know, that, that was the first time we were putting, in, in, you know, a Facebook page in place like a business Facebook page. So we had to do everything. We had to take the pictures. We invited friends to come and we had a photo shoot with all that. And the photographer was a friend of, was one of Jabba's friends. And we told her like, you know what? We don't have money to pay you. Maybe we may pay you. Do you like necklaces? Do you like, you know, clothes, you know, dresses? She was like, yeah. I said, okay, you come and pick whatever you want. And whatever we have to pay you, if it's not enough, we're going to, you know, give you the remaining. She's like, yeah, she's fine with it. So she took anything she wanted for maybe 200 because she was asking probably 400 to do all, you know, all the photo shooting. And we did all that. We prepared the page. We programmed the page to be live on, at the same day of that event, of the international event, international evening or Soirée Internationale, they call it. So at that time, I asked again to my buddy there who was, uh, who was in charge, I said, you know what, now we need to do a parade. He's like, come on, man. I said, yeah, I mean, he said, okay. Just four people, right? Four people. I said, yeah. Okay. Four people, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were eight people back there, backstage. It was too late to turn us around. So everybody was up there and the page went off at the same time and people started to see the same thing on the Facebook uh, notifications. That, oh, that's a new page. And they were seeing the same clothing going, you know, on the stage. And everybody was like, wow. So after that night, we didn't even sleep because we got more than thousands like. Wow. In one night, that's crazy. A thousand yeah. likes. In 24 hours, it was just going crazy. People thought we were from Toronto, U.S., and things like that. <laughs> so wow. that's where everything started from. And then from Africa became after 
design from uh, design from Africa because we didn't want just to bring things from Africa. We wanted to do things like this, to you know, to have that um, cultural. Uh, how do you call that? Uh, Multicultural, you mean? Or yeah, like, uh... to bring kind of people together at the same time. You know, people don't want to wear the whole African thing all the time. So they want something fashionable and they can wear it every time. And to us as a business, the one thing that people will wear all the time to brand. All right. So that's how we change uh, things a little bit. That's pretty cool because, I mean, there's nothing worse than seeing a white blonde person with a dashiki, which is weird as hell. Uh, so, I mean, definitely wearing something that you could relate better, it, it, it is a good concept. So I'll ask you this, because I, I, I've been following the brand for a while and like I've seen that you guys have talked, you guys do live videos and you guys talk about like the experience. As a black entrepreneur in Atlanta, Canada, what do you think has been the hardest thing you guys have faced? Like with this type of business? Uh, with this type of business, I will say, I will say, I will say, I will say, uh, most of the time things are not made for us as black person, because sometimes you might have an idea, but the way you approach it, and if you have to go and look for some, we had support, not to say that we didn't have support, right? We have support from uh, 3PLUS and all that we went through the training with 3PLUS. <clears throat> But at some point, it's just a little bit harder to get into uh, the finances and things like that. Maybe because we're just begin, you know, starting and things like that. But the thing is, we need more support that way because culturally, we are in a market where we don't necessarily uh, know a lot about the culture, how to do things, and you know, how to put yourself into that. But in the, in the other in the other hand, it's just our own people, you know, uh, because they will see me selling. They will be like, yeah, if I say it's $50, they will say, no, I will pay 30, right? And they don't understand the work you have to put in there, whatever you have to do uh, before, all the way to, to present that product to them. So it goes both ways at, at some spot, at some, yeah. Because when we go to Walmart or those who are without publicity, to those big stores, you don't argue. You don't ask for this or that. You pay and you get out. So for me, it was like the mindset that, okay, in order to support me, you don't want, you know, I don't want to beg. I'm not begging people to buy it. But they will come see you like you need the money more than whatever you're doing as a business. Yeah. You know, the reason why I ask you that is because, uh, again, I have done some other ventures myself, right? I've done, I done different, mostly online. That's, that's where I do a whole lot of online ventures and things like that. Uh, and I followed your brand and there was another brand that came out in the same type of year that you guys came out. There was actually a couple of them, but there's one, there's two in particular, but there's one in particular that I would say that kind of caught the eye. Uh, and, you know, I, I met the guy and he wanted to promote a party and I helped, I promoted him on one of my websites and that was cool. And then all of a sudden I see that the guy just blows up. It, it blows up. Like he's on the papers. He's everywhere. He's like everywhere. And I'm like, wait a minute. Uh, okay. That's cool. And then I see you guys' brand, which is like, I, I thought it was a way more original and way different things. And 
at first I wanted to interview you guys because I, I think something wasn't adding up because of my own experiences. And I, I wanted to communicate with you guys for that. Mm-hmm. And, and that was one of my questions. I was so curious, like, how is this guy getting all of this attention, all of this financing, all of this distribution, all of this access, and you guys were kind of like, and you guys started in the same, you even had, in, up to one point, you even had the same amount of followers mm-hmm. at one point in time. And then it just went over and I'm like, and then I started realizing because of myself, because I had some issues, I'm like, the only difference that I'm seeing is that I'm a black man uh, trying to make an idea, but if a, another counterpart that just happened to be Caucasian gets way more access, not necessarily saying that that is the case for, for the brand, uh, for your what happened to you guys, but it was I was definitely had that curiosity in mind forever because I, I didn't know if you guys went to finances. I didn't know if you guys went went to some places, but it, it kind of clears out that you guys did. And and it, it brings, you know, it, we, it, it is a clear issue that when it comes to uh, people of color and businesses, there is a little bit of there is a hurdle here uh, in, in the Atlantic Canada region. But well, yeah, it's it's uh, it's good you're bringing that up because, again, it goes down to uh the amount of education you have, you know, and the network as well of people you have as well, because he might know more people because he's born or, you know, born and raised here, more contact, more people to know you, understand the system better. You know how to manipulate things because you have uh, that, you know, information in your hands. Because culturally, uh, back home, we don't really deal with credit a lot. We know loans to get loans is really difficult. They just give money to people who have money already, right? So being here, starting a business, it was for us like just a dream. You know, we we never thought that we would create a business one day. But for us, just having it was already a winning game, right? But and then later on, you found out, okay, you have to learn the system. You have to make sure that you have you educate yourself about all that in order to have access to that information maybe you you need to hang out with different people to have access to all the things right and and that's one of the things i've been really obsessed with and that's why i'm getting into i'm into uh, finances and investment now because for me to learn about it if you don't understand the system the system will crush you not because it seems the system likes other people better, because I've met a lot of Canadians or Caucasians who do not know anything about whatever is going on, either their money or whatever, right? So <laughs> I don't I don't want to put that into um, something like as you know I'm black, I'm, it's already visible I'm a black person or you know I'm an African, but again to me I want to get. Like one of my, uh, I'll call that a mother. That's how we call, you know, our our ladies who are maybe elders and all that, but she's a mom, right? So she was saying in order to know uh, where the kitchen is in, in a house, you need to get into that house, right? And everything yeah. that people say in the living room it or decide or whatever talk about in the living room has been decided in the kitchen. So if you just stay in the living room thinking that, okay, yeah, we are you surrounded with people. No, the decision has been taken in the kitchen. So for me, that's the mentality again that I have today because we have to learn more about the system and put ourselves in the best position because we're going to have the same information 
or we're going to get as close as we can in, and put that into our own advantage at, at that time. And that's why I'm getting into all this education about finances and understanding, you know, what insurance is, what to invest or how to invest or whatever. It doesn't matter, right? There's all kinds of ways we can do things now, but we need to educate ourselves about taxes. I was talking to a client of mine today and she was like, I want to open a business or to, to do something, but I'm scared of taxes. I'm just like, how? Again, she doesn't have that information that that's the best way that can happen to an entrepreneur. Taxes, right? And you need to know and learn about all that in order to put yourself in the best position or in a better position to succeed. Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree in that fact. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons that we do this is because, uh, and if, if people have listened to this podcast, I said like a lot of people, uh, when we talk about politics, a lot of people don't understand politics. It's it's uh, this they talk about why is this happening and like, ooh, and why is this happening? I'm like, well, it's because you can change it. All you have to do is this. But it, a lot of people don't know that this affects their whole lives and there's things that you could do, but they just don't know how to do it. And if, if all world folks would know things like that, finances, especially people of color, I definitely think that uh, that more knowledge you get because in, in this country or in most countries, people of color were left behind because of things like colonialism, racism, and different things. So there, there is a bit of a, of a curve that we need to go and learn more about things, and we have to be more prepared because it, it's something that happens with, you know, as a, as an immigrant, most immigrants uh, try to learn the culture that they're into. They, they go right away and they try to learn because they want to work and, and do certain things. And I think a lot of people should, should get into that, uh, which is, I, I think it's great. So uh, I would definitely say that, you know, in order, like myself, somebody that has to check the system, that there's definitely a lot to do with the system regarding regarding people of color, just because the uh, it's easier for somebody, uh, because it's easier here, especially in Atlantic Canada, to do things that they understand uh, because of the kind of laws and the type of industries that people have, than when somebody comes from another country and says something that they don't understand. It's not, again, it's not that it's not going to work or not. It's just that this it's not in their system or it's not registered or, or it experienced before. So definitely, mm-hmm. I, I I do think that's something that part of the system that that needs to be changed. Now that's kind of interesting that you said in finances. You're now a, you're now a financial advisor, a, a certified financial advisor. So yeah. you, you get into what made you get into that? It wasn't because of that because you wanted to learn more about the system as an entrepreneur and and you, you kind of stumble into that or you wanted to do that. Well, um, I've made a lot of mistakes just because I didn't know how to do things because you come here and they hand you, you know, a credit card. I thought it was my money. I started to just cash out, cash out, cash out, send money back home and things like that. Right. Popping bottles. Yeah. Yeah. You don't think about that. You just, yeah, that's my money. Nobody's talking to you about, you know, the credit line or history or credit history. I mean, a lot of things they don't tell you, oh, whatever you're doing today is going to affect you down the road. You know, if you need to buy a car, you need to buy a home, you need to lend money or whatever. You are not told anything. And that was one of my things because, well, and one thing as well, I would say people I found here were not at a better place to teach me something because they didn't take the time to educate themselves. So, Again, hanging out with people is fun, but what do they bring to you, right? Do they make you grow or you keep just doing the same thing and crying about it because you don't know anything 
or you can go out and meet other people and start educating yourself. That's the only thing I, I went into whatever I'm doing now because I didn't get that opportunity. And for me, I didn't want other people to go through the same thing, doing or making the same mistakes that I, I made. That would be stupidity to just stay there and you know you can do something, but you're just crying about it. Uh, I just I said, I said no. And I liked my job, but I didn't like it that much at some point because I wanted to have some flexibility as well to go back home whenever I want to or whenever I plan to and spend whatever amount of time I can with my family, right? So it's all about it. And when you start to hang out with other entrepreneurs, you will see their lifestyles. You start learning all kind of things and asking questions like, how do you do this? How do you plan for this? How, whatever. And they start to tell you. And then I was just like, well, okay. I, um, yeah, I wanted to help other people. I mean, mostly immigrants, right? Just to make sure they can, even though they're just here for, I mean, they've been here for a week or two weeks, at least we can sit together and say, you know what? This is what you need to pay attention to. Do this, do that. You, you know, it's going to keep you away from trouble. If you need anything, I'm available. That's my phone number or my email. Contact me if you need anything. Not just for business, but for anything else. If I ha- I'm available, I'll be out there to help. That's good. So what do you think are the, like, as an immigrant and as a person that is already in the financial uh, industry, what do you think one of the biggest mistakes that immigrants or fall into, like you said, credit cards and teenagers do that too. Young people actually get into credit cards and, and debt. But what do you think is one of the biggest things that people maybe do not know or or misconceptions about <clears throat> finance? Uh, again, it's where it, it depends probably where you're coming from. Maybe in Europe, I have some people from France, Belgium, and things like that, or Germany. You already you might already have that kind of experience because it's almost the same system. But if you're coming from Africa, Mostly, you might know a few things, you know, how finances works and or work, but you don't have that same, uh, you don't have the same tools, <clears throat> I would say, the same system. Like the bank, <clears throat> sorry, the bank works with rich people, right? You don't have money, bank does not talk to you. <laughs> That's straightforward. You have a business plan or whatever, you go and find you know, some fi- some uh, financing and all that, they will not lend you if you don't have money already. So it's not like here people will take a chance to give you whatever and say you pay 5% or 2%. No, you, you know, it's different. So we have to learn everything. You know, some people come here, they want to get into politics. They want to get it, you know, they want to be lawyers. They want to be doctors. They want to be anything. It's all about the system. You need to understand the system you're in and even more the history because all that helps me understand the area or who I'm dealing with and the mentality and how to navigate, right? So it's, um, it's the whole thing. We need to learn the whole thing. And if you already hear that you know, like, you guys, you know, I, I like the idea of doing this podcast and all that. And the next step will probably be, okay, what about the next generation? Are we training other young people to keep this going, right? Are we <clears throat> preparing other people? Like if, you know, you guys don't do this anymore at some point because you're into something else and all that. We, start, we need to start thinking about all those kind of things 
you know, what am I leaving behind? Am I training these people with what I know? Otherwise, if I'm not here anymore, everything is lost. Pretty much pass the goddamn torch. That's right. <laughs> you, got, you got to pass the goddamn torch. You have to prepare them, right? You have to prepare them. Find somebody. It doesn't have to be your own kids. It can be somebody else's kid or whatever. You know, we say in Africa, you're not your parents' kid. You're the community's kid. Yeah, and, and I and I 100% agree on that sense just because of the fact that I don't know if people understand. We're not that many. We, we're, we're not even 5% of the population. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, like people of color. And the fact that when you are a person of color and and this is by the way i don't like that expression though well i i don't like it either but it, it, i didn't i didn't invent it right like that's that's the thing like we, we, i didn't i wasn't the one saying that that expression but when you look at it and and me and you could be different we're from different countries we have different culture we have different background we don't even speak the same language <clears throat> but all of a sudden we get to a spot and we're all being judged just because we have the same color of skin, which for me, that's kind of ridiculous. That's, that's, that's ridiculous. Right. And, and the only way that you can get out of that is when, like you say, you got to understand the system, but you also have to train the next generation. Right. Because it's, it's only, it's only if other people know and they understand it better. Uh, and this is not just a color thing. This is a collective thing. Right. Like if you go and people understand it better, they'll be like, oh, okay, okay, this is this is how it, it works. But it only starts when you give it to others, right? It doesn't start when you just keep the stuff to yourself. Mm-hmm. And again, right now we have the internet, which is great. I mean, you could find out whatever you want, which in my era, we didn't have that. You had to go to a freaking library, get a book and get all this stuff down. And, you know, we don't get it that. Uh, but I definitely think that that yeah, you you gotta kind of pass this information on. You gotta pass and and you gotta let others collaborate and get and get stuff out there because you know, you, like I said, you never know who's gonna be the next whatever mm-hmm. in, in in X amount of years. So that that's definitely something that that I that I do that I do. We try to do that here. Uh, definitely, we try to bring stories like yours, uh, which is kind of amazing. You're like a super positive. Uh, you know, very explore type of guy. And, and definitely you, you have, you're going to this journey because again, this is not over yet. Who knows where you're going to be in the next 10 years. Uh, uh, you don't yeah, want yeah. to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> who knows where you're going to be, but that's definitely, but go, going to that, where do you think you're going to be yourself in the next 10 years? Uh, the next 10 years? Hmm. To tell you the truth, I don't know yet. <laughs> but I know my plan is to go back home at some point and the idea is uh doing what i'm doing now because we have to 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 start thinking differently uh me going to do it be like an independent advisor and not necessarily having to work like an eight to five kind of job is just that you can build something for yourself that you can pass on to somebody else after and keep getting paid for it Right. So if in 10 years or 15 years, I decide, OK, I don't want to do this anymore. I will keep getting my passive income for another many years. And again, <clears throat> and I'll tell you, like, why I really did this move at some point is just that I don't know how good or how much you guys know about the African history, because you from Republican uh, Republic. Where are you from, Hillary? 
I was born and raised in Moncton. My dad's Senegalese and my mom's Acadian. And my uh, Black African history is, I will say, piss poor because of the New Brunswick education system. So I know très petit peu. Okay. <laughs> what about you, Clinton? Um, I was born and raised in Toronto. Uh, my dad from Jamaica and my mom is my mom's Canadian as well. Okay. Uh, my dad did a DNA test a couple years ago. And so we think maybe the ancient heritage goes back to Nigeria. But, you know, it's, it's no one who was brought over here hundreds of years ago can really know. So. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I know I know half the countries and I know some things about different certain cultures uh, and countries with, through in Africa, but not as anywhere as near as in depth as maybe Europe or Asia or some other places in the world. Nice. Okay. So I would say here we're all Africans. Yeah, that's that's a, that's about right. Right. That's about because right. For me, I don't want to identify as a black person or person of color. No, I'm from somewhere, right? And going through like that learning process of you know waking up one day and asking, okay, what the hell is going on? Where is that God and things like that? Da, da, da. So I started to do some researches. So there were some kids killed in Cameroon because of some just bullshit. I'm just like, well, okay, I need to get into, you know, into something. I need to learn more about the real history because we were taught things in school because all our books were uh, from France. They were all made in France and brought to Cameroon and get, you know, teach to us. And I started to get into that. And I tend to ask myself, okay, what were we before whatever they told us about colonization and slavery? Because our history didn't really start from there, right? Because now we pass all the time thinking about slavery and we keep crying about something and we get pissed about it because that's what the system put in front of us to remember that we're not this, we're not that. And we keep, you know, nourishing that same system. And we keep just, you know, jumping in the bag. I will say back home, like, you're just jumping in the bag. You're not going anywhere. And we're complaining about this, about that. It's, yeah, it's true that we were, you know, we were taken from there. But if you look at everything that happened before those two events, those two events represent probably two or three pages of a 1,000 pages book. Yeah, it 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 is uh... right. So for me, for putting my energy into learning or staying there, it's just like not. Yeah, it it happened, but to me, it was like, okay, what did we, what were we before that? And then I started to discover a lot of things where I'm just more proud of myself today because I knew my grand 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 grandfather. There were big people, you know, amazing people. They created a lot of things that we're using even today, but we were not told anything about it. So now I'm even proud of myself because I know my history, not the one somebody else told me, right? Yeah, I that's so interesting. Can I, sorry, may I say something? Go ahead. Yeah. We often complain about the lack of education we got here in Canada and how we weren't taught about other cultures of the world. But at least we could say, well, even though a lot of it turns out to not be true, we were taught about Canadian history. Um, but and while this shouldn't be surprising to me, 
but it is. So are you saying like in the, I guess, 90s or so growing up in Cameroon, your history books all were imported from France uh, about your own history in Cameroon and what they like. And that's how you learned about your own country and your history and what they wanted you to know. And that's what, the, you know, the propaganda wow. did everywhere because they had that media, the control of the media, right? Because they can say anything and, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a lie or whatever. And But somebody can start hearing that all the time. It's gonna, you know, you're going to think it's true. So back home in Cameroon, it was just like, you know, those people who fought for uh, freedom, they were taxed as uh, makiza, meaning the bad people, right? And those people who accepted or who dealt with uh, the friends, you know, General de Gaulle and things like that, they were the good people they were presented to us. That year, colonization came to civilize us, to help us coming out of our bushes and things like that. Like, and that's what, what children are being taught today about themselves. Exactly. It's all growing BS. up in Africa. It's all BS because we don't know our own history being in Cameroon or in Nigeria or wherever in most places in Africa because they will tell you, yeah. And that's why you see now, like, you know, some brothers and sisters from Jamaica or Haiti, they hate us because they were told that we sold them, right? And it creates that kind of confrontation again, just to eat ourselves and not thinking about the real problem, which is we were being lied about our own history because I saw the picture of one of uh, the chiefs where I grew up in Douala. And I remember we used to go there every time with my dad, just driving in the town and, you know, going there, taking pictures in front of the chief's house or palace. And I saw that, I saw the pharaohs, the same way the pharaohs were dressed from whatever they called Egypt, because that's, again, that's a Greek name. Whatever they were called, I saw the same picture of that chief dressed the same way. And that's where things clicked. Like, I'm just like, damn, what does this mean? Does it mean that was uh, that were us? Or and it was in Douala, in our hometown. The guy, I mean, and I was shocked at some point because we were never told, and they were saying, No, your tradition is like wish and things like that. So you don't look into it, you don't pay attention to it anymore, you just, you know. Uh, there's a lot of things I'm discovering and to me, slavery and all that, that's not the point to discuss about it. Like we can remember it, you know, just, yeah, it happened. But I think in order for you to have a bigger mind and a better mind and pass, pass it on to the younger generation is to show them how great we were and how great we can be having that, you know, real history about ourselves to accept ourselves yeah and you know what the and be the, proud yeah. the thing that you say about that this is this didn't happen just in africa like in america united states canada uh this happened everywhere like it, it, the the history the erasing of history and i, I think we had uh, george Elliot clark that said that uh in canada we've been very good at erasing but it, again in latin america it's the same thing and that books definitely get get on that and on that part and i and i can definitely tell you that you know it is something that even if we say in, in our childhood like if you like superheroes there wasn't any black superheroes other than black panther we just had a movie about black panther and one of the things that i noticed uh this was when it came out i never seen so many black people in a theater 
in Moncton. I was like, whoa, <laughs> this was a lot of black people in the theater that I'd never seen before. And yeah. I talked to somebody at that, like years later, and he said like, yeah, man, because it was the first time that you see, even if it's a fictional African story, this was the first time you actually saw African people in complete power. And they're not like the, they're not the, the, the ones that are being attacked. They're not the, they're in complete power. They have a great city. They have, they're doing their own thing and somebody wants to take care of us, which is, it's something that, you know, we could take for granted. But if you look at history, like we don't get, you know, I don't watch slaves movie. I don't watch, I never seen 12 years a slave. I, I think I seen roots one time. I don't watch just because of the fact that I'm more interested in the Jackie Robinsons and the stories about heroes and people that, that went against the odds than people that were oppressed because that that just changes your mentality and and i really appreciate that so man i mean we could go for hours with you like we could definitely go a hundred percent hours and hours and i think we should have you back to because i feel like you have a lot of financing and stuff to that you could definitely tell people about that so if people want to know more about your uh your things what where do they go to but before we do before you say that clinton has one thing to say go ahead yeah you're muted Clinton, you're muted. <laughs> oh, Second okay. time today I do this. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Happy New Year. All right. Um, no, it's just, it was just, it's just so shocking because Hillary and I are part of like an education continuum here in New Brunswick in which part of the goals is to teach Black people more about their own heritage and history and their joys and their potential and their accomplishments and not just slavery. And we're doing this to try to teach everyone, but also just uplift and encourage the spirits of like Fidel said, a few Black kids, because there's not even a lot of them in New Brunswick. Um, so to hear that a whole con- like whole countries of people all across the world, Fidel, South America, Cameroon, and everywhere is, is are being all of, like, I imagine Cameroon is, you said it's bilingual, but it's almost completely Black people, Africans, dark-skinned it's Africans. It's not really bilingual. I don't say that because it, that's whatever they decide officially. But I mean, it's, it's dark-skinned Africans. It's Black people. Mm-hmm. And all being taught like this controlled history still from European countries today is just so reminiscent of like, I don't know, like brainwashing 1984, like complete control states. And uh, we know that our Canadian history is jaded, but that seems a lot worse. Um, I mean, it's a... What kind of confidence? It must be so much harder to have confidence in self when you grow up around everyone. And you're saying like, yeah, the people who rebelled against this were looked at as evil and the people who cooperated it were the heroes in in these stories that you learned. And that can't be empowering, in my opinion. No, it cannot, because if they say something that can empower you, you're going to go against them, right? They need to have to keep control over you or whatever to tell you whatever they want you to hear or they want you to know to keep that control, right? So it's um, it's our, today is our is our goal now to just try to do the best to shift things and again, get more educated about ourselves because more, many black people don't like their face when they look at that themselves in the mirror. They want to be like somebody else's, you know, with blue eyes and things like that, just because that's, you know, the beautiful prototype we're presented to. Yep. And yeah, it's yeah. all. Yeah, it's just it's just I don't we know what to, to say about it. It's just so and it's we need to work on that. Surprising, even though it shouldn't be. Yeah. Sorry. Go on. No, no. I was just going to say we need to work on that and try to, you know, be more proud about what we are, what we are or who we are 
in order to, you know, break those chains up here in order to be proud of, you know, if you're proud that you know your history, you're going to pass it on to your kids. But if you don't know anything about it, you're just going to pass on whatever you know and whatever you were taught, right? And I think I think that's one a message that I say to people, you know, get some traveling done because I feel like 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 for for Plato said it was it's shocking, but if you go to a lot of places, it's it's definitely like why like if you look at women, why women put their hop comb in their hair, like process their hair, or like they wipe it, like they they bleach their skin, and they do a whole lot of things that like basically that women of color are not supposed even to do. Uh, and you look at it and it's because of things like what you watch in the media, what you had in television. And, and that's, I mean, that's definitely something that right now is changing. I think, I think it, it's definitely changing and hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll get there eventually. We'll- but we also got to talk to people too, because as much as I, I might, I, I've traveled or I, I could travel, it's, you know, I, I'm not going to be in the classrooms looking at the history books. I, I, maybe I'll talk to people in those countries, but hearing that is, is again, so shocking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. So, uh, Alfred, like I said, we. we... Larry, wanted to say something? I was just going to say briefly, I've mentioned this book twice, I think, last year in our last few podcasts, but um, on Race and Storytelling by Essie Idugian talks about multiple Black cultures where not only did they face erasure, but they faced basically this brainwashing and lying about which tribes hated them, who committed slavery, why Asian people didn't like them. There's one country, and I don't remember it exactly, but Asian people went to this African country to mine, left their families, created new families with the Black people there, and then got like doctors to like euthanize their babies so there'd be no traces of these infidelities. Like, there's so many other horrors and stories that we don't know about that like we are still uncovering and learning because stories are told from white perspectives um and colonization has erased so many histories so i'm not i mean i'm always appalled (laughs) at history but i'm not super surprised it's definitely still happening and that's why education is so important well yeah we need to amplify that you know we need to amplify that and if there's any way i can i can you know be part of whatever you guys are doing maybe a presentation or just to talk about it or whatever i can share with yeah i'm open to yeah, for sure, man. We'll we'll definitely have you again. I think I think there's a lot to talk about. And like I said, I, I think that's that's the thing. I think uh, what we try to do is, is to amplify voices like yours and get people to to get these stories out there. Because again, uh, there's a lot of stories that never haven't been told uh, mm-hmm. in Atlantic Canada. I'm not even going as far as Africa. I'm I'm talking about right here, right? Um, by people of color, for people of color. And I think those those are the ones that we want to make sure that we get there. So if people want to find you, where do they go to? Uh, on Facebook, most likely. Uh, uh, it's Besawa Ibolo on Facebook. And I have my, um, I'm not allowed to mention that, but I would just say, yeah, on Facebook, Besawa Ibolo. Uh, yeah, and if it's based on, you know, the business side of, you know, you're looking for a financial advisor, you can hit me up on my Facebook or I can leave my phone number if you guys, if it's needed. Is it? Oh, it's fine. Yeah, if, if you want to promote yourself, go ahead. If you, if you can do whatever you want, man. don't worry about it. <laughs> sure, yeah, you can, you know, give me a shout at 506-227-6899. And some people call me Alfred, though some 
Besawa, some Ebolo, so it's the same person. And, you know, I'm based in Moncton. If you need help with, you know, you don't understand much about your own group insurance at work, you don't understand much about, you know, you're looking to open a business or you're dealing with employees and you want to set up something for your business, you know, I, I can be can be there for, you know, like to help you out for that. And yeah, all kind of, you know, life, critical illness, disability insurance and all that. So the goal for me is mostly education. You know, it's to educate people in order for them to take the best decision. I'm not there to tell you what to do, but I'll give you the information and the tools and then you make your own decision based on what we'll discuss about. All right. Nice. So, Alfred, it's really nice to have you here. Hopefully. No, thank uh, you for having me, guys. I really enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully we can have you again for certain aspects. And I definitely wish you all the best. And, you know, hopefully we'll we'll talk. We'll definitely talk again. I think we, you, you, we definitely have a lot to show. So uh, yeah. you guys have anything else to say? Nope. Just uh, if anyone's looking to talk to me, look for me on social media under Clinton Davis. Or you can always message me through the Black of the Maritimes channels. Crapberry, the usual. And thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, it was really, really great to hear. I love fashion stuff, so it made me very happy. What a great way to start the new year, everyone. Yeah, this was really interesting. I Thank you so much for being on the show as well. Thank you. Amazing. So, guys, uh, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, please donate on Patreon or PayPal. Uh, it really helps out the show. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe. Follow us on social media, Black in the Maritimes, and TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Peace out. Bye. Peace out.